Black Johann, the most famous of all blacksmiths of the Habsburg Empire, was dead. The bellows in his blacksmith's shop at the crossroads of the imperial highways in the middle of the Black Forest had stopped blowing the huge fires in which some of the most famous men of the century had their horseshoes bent, their wagon wheels rimmed, and their arms or their armor repaired. The selection of a successor to Black Johann, the giant who had won the job 25 years before in a contest of strength and skill, was not a simple matter. A call went out to all cities, towns, and hamlets of the Habsburg Empire that the Black Forest smithy was available to the most capable master craftsman. The contest had three basic tests. To fan the flames of the forge with the big bellows in less than ten drags of the chain. To make a horseshoe white-hot and ready for the hoof in less than five minutes. And finally, to wrap a two-inch thick iron rod around the left arm with the right hand. After all, the blacksmith shop of the Black Forest was located at one of the most important spots of Europe, where merchants, knights, and travelers of all sorts crossed from the countries west of the Rhine to the countries of the central and eastern parts of Europe and from the north to the south. A team of twelve or more journeymen and master smiths had to be led by a superior craftsman, who could impress them all by his strength and his skill in keeping travelers happy and their gear in good shape. As was to be expected, hundreds of successors to Johann flocked to the Black Forest to win the prize. Duke Ernest of Freiburg had been selected to head the committee of Knights of the Black Forest to choose the new blacksmith. All of the applicants would gather at the Golden Eagle Hotel, and once every two weeks were given a chance to show their craftsmanship and skill and compete for the coveted job. Six months passed this way, and each of the hopeful blacksmiths had to concede defeat, if not at the first test, then certainly at the second. Many did not even get through the preliminary test of beating the team of Black Johann's assistants at shoeing a horse, a must for anyone who was to be the boss over this rough yet highly skilled group of smiths. Fewer and fewer applicants came to the Golden Eagle Hotel at the crossroads of the Black Forest to try their skill. The rumors of the heaviness of the bellows and the impossibility of beating the time limits spread fast, and few had the courage to face the ridicule of the crowd that gathered every second Thursday to watch the candidates perform. One Thursday morning, after three weeks had passed without a single new candidate, the story spread like wildfire through the cities, towns, and villages around the Black Forest that Red Willem, the giant of the Luneburger Heide, had arrived at the Black Forest Inn, challenged by his friends to try out for the job, 
although his own smithy was as profitable as the one in the Black Forest. No doubt he was worthy of the anvil of Black Johann, if even half the stories of his strength and craftsmanship were true. Duke Ernest, with ten knights of the Black Forest, was anxious to see him perform the three tests and win. It was not good for the whole region that such an important way station was without a leader. There was never a question about Red Willem's strength and ability to handle the team of smiths. In fact, seeing the giant blacksmith with his bulging arms and neck muscles, Duke Ernest dispensed with the preliminaries, and a herald announced the beginning of the actual tests. A huge crowd of nobles and plain people had gathered in the large clearing in the middle of the dark forest between the Golden Eagle Inn and the blacksmith shop. Red Willem, wearing only a pair of pants and a heavy leather apron, lifted a huge goblet of wine, toasted the duke, toasted the team of blacksmiths, and with one long draft he emptied the goblet and threw it aside. Then he stepped through the wide-open door of the smithy, went to the bellows, and with one mighty tug, set it in motion. After the fifth pull, the fire started up. After the sixth pull, the fire was rising high into the air, ready to handle any chunk of iron. Mightily did that fire roar. Louder yet was the roar of the excited crowd. Here indeed was a master craftsman to compare with Black Johan. What is so special about this? asked a tall, dark young man in traveler's clothes who stood in the front row. The people around him laughed. Well, why don't you try it? shouted one. I will, replied the young stranger, and as the crowd watched, he stepped forward in front of the duke and asked for permission to compete with Red Willem for the job of Black Johann. And what makes you think you are strong and skilled enough to deserve such an honor? asked Duke Ernest. The young man drew a scroll from his knapsack. The duke read the certificate, which was signed by none other than Enrico of Valladolid himself. The duke was well satisfied, for Enrico of Valladolid was known throughout the world of knights as the greatest expert on the art and skill of blacksmithing. The young man took off his tunic and put on a heavy leather apron offered to him by one of the smiths. He walked over to the bellows. Obviously the young man did not have Red Willem's brute strength, yet seemingly without effort he pulled the heavy chain of the bellows down and up, and the flames leapt high into the air to the amazement of the watching crowd. Red Willem was annoyed. Let's go on to the second test. He caught the cold, heavy, rough horseshoe flipped to him by one of the smiths. He picked up one of the huge iron tongues, fanned the fire high, moved the shoe back and forth, turning it over and over, faster and faster, until it was white hot. A few quick beats from a heavy hammer, and just before the big hand of the herald came down to indicate the end of five minutes, the horseshoe was ready, and Red Willem 
placed it on the horse's hoof with lightning speed, while two assistants held up the leg of the animal. A storm of applause greeted this feat of the famed smith from the Lundeberger Hyde, who acknowledged it gracefully with a towel with which he dried off the sweat that ran down his muscular body. The young man stepped forward to take his turn. Again, he astounded everyone by the ease and grace with which he accomplished the same thing as Red Willem, yet apparently with much less effort. His movements seemed to flow as he turned from the fire to the anvil and back several times until the horseshoe was ready. Even the group of blacksmiths who watched his work admiringly broke out in applause as with the help of only one assistant, he put the horseshoe on the waiting horse cleanly and quickly with just a few well-aimed taps of his hammer. Red Willem was furious. He had not left his profitable smithy in the Luneburger Heide to be put to shame by a young man ten years his junior. Who are you? The dare compete against me. Red Willem does not permit young gutter snipes like you to touch his honor. Let's see how fast your hammer works. To the astonishment of the crowd, he attacked the young man with the long hammer he had just used to shoe the horse. Yet, as easily as he had worked his tools of craftsmanship, the tall young man swung his own hammer in self-defense. He got Red Willem off balance, and with one well-aimed smash, knocked Red Willem's hammer out of his hand so that it flew far away. My name is Israel of Burgos, where my grandfather forged fine armor for noble knights, if that pleases you, said the young man. What? A Jew? How dare you compete against me? a good blacksmith of the highest guild rating. The nerve. Let him be hanged. Let his eyes be fed to the ravens before he dares again to besmirch the honor of a guildsman. Red Willem had appealed to the instincts of the crowd. He was skilled in rabble-rousing against Jews. For years he had been the terror of the Jewish population in his native town, where he often led vicious attacks against the poor Jews. But before the situation got out of hand, Israel of Burgos, the Jewish blacksmith, turned to the duke, and in a clear and fearless voice he said, Your Honor, the announcement of the competition said nothing about the faith and nationality of the contender. It only said that whomsoever should pass the three tests will qualify for the job. The duke stepped forward and said, You are right. Let's stop the talking and go on with the test. Red Willem, if you are not capable or willing, then you may leave without further insult or injury to your honor, or anyone else's for that matter. The crowd roared their approval of the Duke's fair reply, and their eyes turned now to the mighty smith from the Luneburger Heide. Red Willem stood there, his face dark red with fury, wondering what to do next. The duke gave the signal to continue, and the crowd pressed closer to watch the tall, young Jewish blacksmith handle the heavy iron rod. Even Red Willem watched with awe how the young man pressed the top of the rod between his body and left arm, 
and with his right arm began to strain until the rod bent around the weld-muscled arm once, twice, and a third time as required by the test. This time there was obvious strain on the young Jew's face, yet despite the thunderous applause that greeted his success, no one realized how unusual and great it was until Red Willem stepped forward, his face flushed with anger. He began to turn the iron rod, apparently easily, yet by the time he had bent it twice around his arm, his face had turned from a deep red to a deep purple. Streams of sweat ran from his forehead. Slowly, he strained the iron with his right hand. Curses poured from his vile mouth against his Jewish competitor. With one mighty effort, the rod completed the third bend, and then Red Willem collapsed, dead. A blood vessel had burst from the strain. In this sudden silence arose a cry from the crowd. The Jew has killed Red Willem! Kill the Jew! The mob, which just a few moments before had applauded the feat of the young blacksmith Israel of Burgos, suddenly turned against him. Duke Ernest's herald gave a loud signal on his bugle, and the guards stepped forward with their lances drawn to protect Israel of Burgos from the suddenly spiteful mob that surged forward. Halt, said the duke in a loud, clear voice. Let no one say that we go back on our honor. We invited blacksmiths from all nations and countries to compete for this important post at the crossroads of the Habsburg Empire. Red Willem gave it a good try and died in the attempt. This young man, though he be a Jew, has shown his superiority. Of all the contenders for the job, he is the only one who was able to complete the three required tests. As long as I, by the Emperor's decree, am in charge here, no one will deny this young man the hard-earned right to reap the harvest of his skill and strength by running the profitable Black Forest Smithy. The young man walked to the Duke, bowed courteously, and to everyone's surprise, he said, Your Honor, I am deeply grateful for your noble words that speak for a truly great nobleman possessed of both courage and wisdom. Yet if your Honor permits me, I will refuse the privilege which you have accorded me. Having witnessed the temper of these people and how little it takes to turn them from favor to hatred and worse, I realized that I would serve little good in this post. I left my country in search of a land where people of my faith can ply their trades and crafts without the constant fear of vicious attacks by bullies just like Red Willem. I am on my way to the Netherlands, where I have been told this freedom exists. Ashgacha Pratis, divine providence, has directed my footsteps to pass through this place at this time. I never intended to compete for this post, but having found Red Willem here and knowing how much trouble he's caused for my people, I considered it my duty to try to keep him out of your noble domain for the good of your people as well as mine. 
I had a right to kill him in self-defense when he attacked me with his hammer, but I spared him. His own fate overtook him, and he is no loss to anyone. And now, concluded Israel of Burgos, with your honor's permission, I will continue on my way. The young man lifted his heavy knapsack and picked up his walking stick. The duke shook his hand in a warm gesture of respect, took off the golden chain from his own neck, and slipped it over Yisrael of Burgos's head. I'm sorry to see such a craftsman go. Yet, I respect the strength of your convictions and your faith. Go in peace, and may you find the freedom that you seek, my son, said the duke. The huge crowd, whose opinion had changed yet again, applauded as the young man turned around, crossed the clearing, and walked out on the highway that led to the Netherlands 